All right. Listen to the Word of God. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites joined by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us? with our children and livestock with thirst. So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. And I'll be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horab. Strike the rock and water will come out of it, so so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Masha or Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Our gospel reading today is John 4. We're not going to read as much as the lectionary says. Uh, so I encourage you to read the whole uh, of chapter 4 uh, with the dialogue with the woman at the well. Um, 4, 5 through 42, but I'm going to cut it off at verse 26. Listen to the word of God. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews did not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up in eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
For the Father seeks such as those to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all these things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. May God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, in the midst of the many words that are both without and within us, may you, the unchanging word, encounter us this day through the power of your presence. Amen. Amen. Is the Lord among us or not? Recently I said that Moses had the worst job description in the Bible. Okay, you could argue Jeremiah, Job, Moses. One of those three I think have the worst had the worst job description in the Bible. From our Old Testament lesson, he called the place Massa or Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? When I was a senior pastor, um, usually the majority of the visitation was done by one of the associates. Um, and uh, occasionally, if there was something serious or they were off, I would, I would do it as well. As a matter of fact, people used to get nervous when I walk in the hospital room <laughs> because they thought it must be bad if he's here. Uh, so I stopped going there to terrify people. It's kind of funny in a, in a not so funny way. Um, but there was one week where there were a lot of serious people, there was a lot of serious illness in the hospital, and I went and visited this family. Now they were very loosely associated with the church, they were friends, but the entire clan had gathered uh, to be present to, to have vigil over the patriarch of the family who was a, uh, a fascinating character, uh, a wonderful character. And it, literally the room was full of three generations of people. And I prayed for, for him and the family. And literally as I, I walked out of the door, he, he breathed his last breath. At the funeral, one of his daughters came up to me and said to me, I just want you to know, I lost my faith watching my mother die. And my faith came back watching my father die. She then hugged me and thanked me. Now the truth is, I did absolutely nothing but pray. And I always kind of marveled. That's, that's one of those, those formative stories for me. Because how is it that watching one person die creates a crisis of faith? Maybe that's understandable, right? Well, you know, because I think we've all probably struggled with that. I know there have been some deaths that, that I watched that were very hard for me to, to process and take. Not just deaths, right? I mean, we all have seen the horrible things that have happened in our lives or the lives of others, right? Um, while this very real crisis is going on throughout the world, this new crisis, it's easy to forget about the old ongoing crises, right? Okay? You know, while we're struggling with a lack of toilet paper, there are children in Syria who don't have food, don't have shelter, don't have any government that's protecting them. My heart goes out to Chester, a city that I always had great 
love for and, and work there for over 20 years in different ways. They're in the middle of a murder spree of young men, teenage men, teenage boys mostly, that at this current pace they'll have the worst murder rate in the whole city, our whole country. So those things keep going on, right? Okay. People didn't have adequate health care before this crisis happened. We're still not going to have adequate health care after this thing, right? Okay. It's good to be reminded that there are kids, millions of kids in our country, richest country in the world, greatest country, you know, economy, one of the greatest countries in the history of civilization, who every day face food insecurity. We have kids who are not eating. We have to come up with some sort of system to feed them because they're not in school. So it's good to be reminded that in this current very real crisis, and one that's going to get worse before it gets better, that there are people who live in crisis all the time. And so if your eye, your eyes open, there's always things that will make you ask, is the Lord among us or not? It's a good question. The Israelites spent 40 years asking that question. We just get one of those days, right? We get half of one of those days. But they spent 40 years asking that question, trying to figure that out. Is the Lord among us or not? That's a quarantine of years, by the way. The word quarantine literally means 40, right? 40 days, right? It's from the Latin. Quarantine is closer to the French and Italian, which is from the Latin. And 40 days was the typical kind of time you were separated if we knew there was, for instance, the plague or whatever, a highly contagious disease. This is part of something people figured out during, during the Middle Ages, during the plague. Forty days. That's how many days Jesus was tempted, right? Forty days. We're in the middle of 40 days of Lent. Another quarantine. And this Lent, we are literally <laughs> experiencing a kind of quarantine, right? I mean, canceling church, we're kind of used to that, right? Remember when we used to have winter? <laughs> Remember back in the day when there was snow and ice, right? I was at a church that will remain nameless, okay? Uh, and I canceled church. I mean, I was a young man then. I was in my 30s, and I fell on the ice four times trying to get to my car. Right, so I crawled back into the, literally crawled back in the house and canceled church. And one of my elders said, we have not canceled church for 20 or 200 years. He said, we haven't canceled church for 200 years. I go, well, yeah, I guess the horse and buggy was better than my Subaru, all right, because I couldn't make traction, all right? So we're used, we're used to canceling, um, canceling church. Um, shutting down gyms. Getting serious, okay? You know who I'm looking at right now, all right? I'm worried about you, all right? I'm worried about you. <laughs> all right. But then they took out March Madness. I know. And we know that the apocalypse is here because Disneyland shut down. And even more seriously, I don't know what our government's thinking, but the liquor stores are closing tomorrow, okay? So. <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday, he triple checked. Okay. Right. So suddenly, if we have any viewers in Pennsylvania, they all shut down. They're driving to the liquor stores right now. All right. All right. 
My son reminded me uh, this, uh, last night from a scene from The Simpsons when an impending apocalypse was about to happen and everyone from church went running into the bar and everyone from the bar went running into church, right? <laughs> so, so this could work out. Uh, uh, could work out. But in all seriousness, uh, social distancing as of now is not only potentially, you know, it's not potentially saving lives, right? The social distancing, but it may keep our health system from collapsing, right? So, there, so spreading the disease out is a very good thing for everyone. So we encourage, you know, we make fun of it, but, you know, we need to do this. And, you know, we're also seeing, we were talking about this before, and we were having a very balanced political discussion before we turned it. We should have left that on because we had people of different, different political likes, okay, you know, some of us don't agree on political things. Now I looked at. It's <laughs> great that you can't see it. I can see who I'm looking at. But um, we had a, no, names. no names. We had a very sensible conversation, um, and I'm hoping that when this thing is all done and settled, that we can, you know, we've seen the flaws and weaknesses in our system, right? So hopefully, we will remember. Um, you know, we remember and have a will to do something, right? It's one thing that we can remember and, and that we have a will to make to make things better because we have the resources to make this better for everybody, okay? But the woman at the well was experiencing a different kind of, of social distancing, wasn't she? Um, you know, I've actually watched women and children carrying water. Usually it's the girls and you know, young women carrying water from a well in Ghana, okay? And first of all, uh, None of us American men could do it, okay? Matter of fact, they were petrified when we tried to do it, and we, we, we couldn't get 10 steps without spilling everything. So first of all, it's, it's really hard when you bounce on your head. Very hard to do. Um, and it was really social. It was a great social gathering. I mean, they had to walk a quarter of a mile or so from the village to get this well. Uh, we were partially why we were there is to, to get a well that was closer to the to the village, but they would get down there and there was laughing and there was conversation. So it was a great social, it really was a, a wonderful social setting. And I also know for sure they did not do it in the middle of the heat of the day. They were there either in the early morning or in the evening because you did not go to the well, you did not walk up a hill in the middle of the noonday heat. And so the fact that the woman is there in the middle of the day by herself is highly suggestive. The implication was that the other women of the village did not welcome her to be part of that social circle. And as we find out, we probably can surmise why that was. She, she was a woman that had lived, we'll just say she lived her life fully. All right, she got a lot of mileage out of her life, okay? Um, There's so many things that are interesting about this conversation. I could talk for hours about this passage, and since none of us have anywhere to go, I will talk hours right now. <laughs> I mentioned this uh, the other week when we were talking about Nicodemus. Um, the conversation with Nicodemus is pretty short, right? In turn, Well, it's long from Jesus, short from Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus only gets a few lines, small lines. But this is the longest conversation Jesus ever has with anybody in the entire gospel record. And so that, I think, is remarkably profound. By the way, we'll talk about it at the end of the sermon. 
That was not lost on at least the Eastern Church, that he took her remarkably seriously. I left out the ending. It's one of the best sight gags, I think, in all of the Bible. Okay. All right. Now remember, married five times. The guy she was with wasn't her husband. Remember, after she talks to Jesus, she goes back to the village and says, hey, I just talked to somebody who told me everything I've ever done. And then I think there was this huge race between the men and the women of the village to get to her first, <laughs> get to Jesus first. Can you imagine when he, the wives are looking at their husbands? He told us everything she did. <laughs> so it's kind of a comic rush because that's not let Jesus talk about anything else while he's here. Okay, We are all in trouble at this point. And there's so many powerful things. The image of living water. Uh, I love the way Jesus allows her to lead the discussion. Worship is not about a place. But rather it is the space that God occupies in our hearts, minds, and the family of faith. True worship is in spirit and truth, right? But today I think it feels really appropriate to focus on the quarantine. That Jesus breaks her social quarantine. Jesus refuses to keep his social distance. Might be the most important punchline of the text. She was a Samaritan, he was a Jew. They didn't associate at all. Okay. Jews would walk all the way around Samaria uh, to, to get to Jerusalem to avoid it, adding you know, a day and a half at least, if not more, to their journey. He was a man and she was a woman. You didn't do that. He was a rabbi, a holy man, and she was very popular. But the powerful thing about this is that if that woman was asking the question, and maybe she didn't start that day asking the question, but her conversation with Jesus very likely led her to ask the question, is the Lord among us or not? And Jesus answers that question with his presence. I am he. And this woman's relationship with men, for that matter, humanity, changed in an instance. There's a line from Graham Greene's uh, wonderful book, The End of the Affair. It's a strange thing to discover and to believe that you are loved when you know that there is nothing in you for anybody but a parent or a God to love. What was in this woman? that made her lovable no more or no less than what we all possess a soul a self she was a person she was a child of God someone God will always love but that day she found it out face to face Knowing you are loved by God may be the most powerful thing anyone can ever know. And during this time where we have a lot of time on our hands, most of us do, right? 
in this time where we realize what we assume and take for granted as normalcy is a mutually agreed upon fiction, right? <laughs> Whatever is normal, we all agree that this is normal, but normal can change like that, right? I mean, you've all experienced that. Things you took for granted were always going to be there. People you thought you were always going to be there. Opportunities, <laughs> jobs, dreams, they can all go away, right? You know, in an instant. And so we need to live in a kind of um, mutually agreed upon fiction in order to to survive, right? Okay. Yeah, for instance, if you don't believe that we actually live under a fiction, explain to me why four-way stop signs work. Right? <laughs> as long as the, as long as four-wheel or four-way stop signs, as long as four-way stop signs work, that'll be a sign that we still have a little civilization left, right? Because <laughs> we're all we're all following rules that are in our best interest, right? But we don't have to. If there's not a policeman standing there, we kind of look the other way, right? Okay. So we all live under these kind of mutually agreed upon things, okay? For instance, you leave enough toilet paper for everybody, right? <laughs> okay. Matter of fact, I was joking beforehand. If you run out of toilet paper, I'm going to put a list of books that would be really helpful if you just use them for toilet paper, right? <laughs> be a great way. I don't believe in book burning, but there's a few that could be left in your bathroom, right? Okay. I borrowed that from my Canadian friend. I will tell you what book he put up there, but he's absolutely right. Uh, Stephen, you're right about that book. Okay. It's funny, in the West and in Protestant churches, we just think of her as the kind of shady woman who talked to Jesus, the Samaritan woman. But in the Eastern church, she is a saint. Matter of fact, her, her, her feast day was just a couple uh, weeks ago. And in the Eastern saint calendar, there's different categories of what makes a person, you know, what kind of saint they are. She's in the category, this is amazing, equal to the apostles. The Samaritan woman is considered equal to the apostles because she helped greatly build up the church, either through direct missionary work or assisting the church and society. Her official subtitle in the Eastern Church is equal to the apostles. The tradition has given her a name. Her name is Photine of Samaria, which means enlightened one. Pretty powerful title to get, right? She, you know, there's legends and stories around her where her, her last act of faith was defying the Emperor Nero. Okay, I don't know if that story is true, but I, I hope it is. <laughs> All right. The Enlightened One. We have an opportunity during our quarantine, symbolic quarantine, to spend some time becoming more enlightened, to go deeper in our faith. We can't necessarily be with people, but that doesn't keep us from praying for people. As we've said on our website in different places, again, if you need help or you, your neighbor needs help, please let us know. We will we'll do what we can. But all of us can be praying for each other. And not just those who are suffering from this crisis around us, but those who are suffering throughout the world. And it might be good to remember that this will pass. But there are things that are happening in Syria 
and in our urban areas, in our neighborhoods that will not pass. We were joking about our difference in politics, but it's a good thing to remember that there are a lot of things more important than your political affiliation. Our bond in Christ, our baptismal grace that brings us together, the sustaining sacramental grace of our life together is what's eternal. And we're reminded in times of trials and crisis that we really do need each other. Is the Lord among us or not? For some people, you may be the answer to that question. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. I invite us all to say what we believe together in the words of the Apostles' Creed.